Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we discuss various ways fear hinders our freedom and how God can and will help us move from fear to faith-filled, bold living. I'm your host, Jennifer Slattery. I'm an author, a speaker, and a ministry leader, and I am passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. I would love to connect with you online. You can find me on my website. You can find me on social media. Just Google my name. You can find my ministry, Holy Love Ministries, at holylove.com. That's W-H-O-L-L-Y.com. Our world is more anxious, more isolated, and lonely than ever. We're constantly inundated by more news than the human brain was ever meant to process. And many of us have less time to disconnect and recoup from it all. Do you ever feel as if you're sort of caught up in a vortex of negativity, of crises and uncertainty? Is this true for you? I usually find unknowns harder to deal with than whatever difficulty I might be facing or might later face. When life feels uncertain, and that pretty much describes all of 2020 so far, our emotions can enslave us. They can tempt us to entertain all sorts of lies that make us feel in that moment as if whatever is looming ahead of us is bigger than our God. But that's simply not true. And I don't know about you, but I refuse to allow anything, unknowns especially, to steal my joy and my peace. I want to be a woman who actively chooses to live by faith, not fear. Here's what I know. Regardless of how things appear, you and I are not helpless victims tossed about by an unpredictable world. We're loved, chosen, called, and empowered children of God, victors who belong to the victorious Savior. The problem comes when we forget or don't understand this, when we lose sight of who we are and who we belong to, our fears grow and our joy and peace decrease. Our fears make proclamations. They lie to us. But here's the thing. Those lies only have as much power over us as we give them. And I discuss this in detail in my first Faith Over Fear episode. It's titled Where Courage is Found. And and in it, I share where I believe our battle must begin in Christ. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to do so because in it, I discuss truths that are foundational to our victory. If we want to stand firm, unshakable against all the storms bombarding us this side of heaven, We absolutely must close our ears to the lies that our fears proclaim, and we must anchor ourselves in truth. When life feels uncertain, we have to cling to those things that are certain, such as the fact that God is and will always remain in complete control. Scripture says he sustains all things by his power and is working all things for our good and his glory. We need to remember that. We need to remind ourselves of that often when we're afraid, especially. God's never caught off guard. He's never surprised or rendered ineffective, and his plans cannot and will not be thwarted. 
That's good news because scripture promises us that his plans are good. Things may not feel good in the moment, but even when it feels as if our world is imploding, we can have peace because we know and belong to the God who reigns over all. In fact, throughout scripture, what looks like chaos from a human perspective is merely the backdrop for some of God's greatest work. Consider what occurred shortly after Christ's resurrection and what it must have felt like for the early Christians. And you can read about this in Acts chapter 8 and 9. Actually, you can read the full book of Acts. It's awesome. But Acts chapter 8 tells us a great wave of persecution began sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samara. But Saul, also called Paul, he went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Now, imagine living in Jerusalem at that time. It said Paul was going from house to house, like entering homes and and pulling people out, dragging them out to throw them into prison. Like I just, when I read that, I picture Nazi Germany and just the chaos and the terror and the, that, that must have swept the area. And I feel like that's probably what Jerusalem was like at that time for the early believers. And imagine if you were among them, how chaotic and uncertain your world would feel. And when our world feels chaotic, we're often tempted to retreat, to isolate, to self-protect, to shut down. But God calls us to remain engaged, to remain on mission with our eyes on him and our hearts trusting in him. Not what we see, not how things appear, but trusting in our God. And that's precisely how the ancient believers responded. Verse four of Acts eight says, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. God used circumstances that must have felt so dark to spread his light throughout the area. Like my study Bible says, sometimes we have to become uncomfortable before we'll move. Is that true for you? It's certainly true for me. And here's the great news. When we move, God moves with us always. Wherever we're at right now, whatever we're facing, wherever we're heading, God's standing beside us. We're never alone. And as Romans 8.31 reminds us, if God is for us, who can be against us? We need to practice speaking that truth over ourselves. If God is for me, who or what could possibly stand against me? Who or what could possibly thwart God's amazing plans for me? Obviously, no one. Nothing and no one can stand against God's elect. And in Christ, that's precisely who we are. We might know this intellectually, but watching our world, like I said, appear to implode all around us, we can easily forget. We can begin to feel helpless, overpowered, as if evil is winning, but it's not, it won't, and it can't. And all of Acts proves this. When the forces of evil came against the early church, which was much, much smaller in number than we are today, by the way, God's power rose up and the church exploded in number and in influence. 
So when you see the news or the changes in our culture or you watch government policies unfold that contradict what you know to be right and true, relax and remain in God's peace knowing God is in control. Keep your eyes on him. We might nod our heads in agreement on that. We might shout our amens, but if we truly believed that, we wouldn't get nearly so upset on social media. The anger we see playing out on Facebook and many times from our brothers and sisters in Christ, often that stems from fear and from too much trust in ourselves, our ability to win an argument, our ability to change the world or change someone's perspective or their heart, and therefore not nearly enough trust in God. So we need to keep our eyes not on our circumstances, not on the chaos all around us, but on our God. And we need, again, to remind ourselves of what's certain, that God's with us, that he's sovereign, that he loves us and all humanity more than our brains could ever comprehend. Those are foundational truths of our faith. And those truths are not dependent on how we feel or how things appear. And we need to get better at holding our fears up against those truths. We need to make sure, and I'm speaking to myself here, we need to make sure we're giving God's voice, his words and truth, the emphasis and authority they deserve. When I'm anxious, it's usually because I'm giving other voices more authority. What I see on Facebook, on the news, what I think inside my own fallible head But the more I become alert to those tendencies and the more I grow in Christ and truth, the more he shifts my thinking, simultaneously growing my faith. And that's key. We won't grow our faith on our own. We don't fabricate it within ourselves. Our faith grows as we grow closer to Christ, as we learn to yield more consistently to the Holy Spirit within. In John 14, verse 27, shortly before his death, Jesus gave his disciples and therefore us as well, his peace saying, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And I think that little phrase in there, do not let your hearts be troubled. I think that's significant. That implies that we have a choice. We can feed our fear or we can feed our faith. The world's peace is shallow and temporary. The peace Christ gives us is soul-reaching deep and eternally enduring. And that peace comes through our relationship with him. That's how we feed our faith. As we quiet ourselves and we sit in his presence, his spirit flows through us, pushing out every lingering shadow until our whole hearts flood with his light. His spirit shines light on those shadows, on our doubts that he wants to expel and the cracks in our faith that he longs to mortar with truth. And we can and should ask him to increase our faith. I love the example one father set in Mark chapter nine. So he was desperate for help. He'd gone to Jesus's disciples, hoping that they would heal his demon possessed son. And let's just pause here for a minute. If you're a parent or if you're an aunt or an uncle, or if you've got a sister or a brother, you can just imagine the desperation this father felt. But the disciples had failed. And I imagine the father's hopes had been dashed. 
and Jesus hadn't been there. Scripture tells us Jesus wasn't there at that time. And, and later he and three other disciples, they, so they had gone up to a mountain to be alone. And, and later they come back and verse 14 tells us that when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of the law were arguing with them. And so I picture this as being pretty heated with lots of accusations made by the teachers of the law, accusations that had to make this poor father feel like his situation was not only hopeless, but that he'd been a fool to hope in the first place. Do you ever feel that way when surrounded by naysayers or listening to the news? Does your glimmer of faith suddenly feel foolish? I think that might've been how this ancient dad felt. But then Jesus approached and he asked him what all the noise was about. So he told him, stating, have mercy on us if you can. Can you sense his anguish in that statement? It's almost as if he longs for hope, but he's afraid to hope at the same time. And so he added that three-word phrase, if you can. To which Jesus replied, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. Well, verse 24 tells us the father instantly cried out, Crazo, in the original Greek, which signifies a sound almost like a shriek. So it's an onomatopoeia, which it, so it sounds like the sound, the word sounds like the sound that is made similar to a crow's caw. So this father, he had some intense emotions. He cried out And he may have been feeling in that moment as if his son's healing depended on his faith. And if so, then he was doomed. I believe, he cried, but help me overcome my unbelief. And notice how Jesus responded. He didn't get angry. He didn't throw his hands up and say, well, I'm out of here. You clearly don't have enough uh, faith. So, oh, well, no. He responded to the man in love and he healed the boy. And this story brings me such comfort because it reminds me God understands. He knows how much I want to please him, how I want to live 100% with my feet planted in faith. But honestly, while I might land there, I don't often stay there. I ping much too quickly to anxious thinking, but I'm also learning I don't have to stay in fear. The moment fear rises up, I can follow that father's example stating, I do believe, Lord, but help my unbelief, knowing that God will be as loving and faithful with me as he was with that father and son so long ago. Do you ever feel like you want to have faith, but just aren't quite there? Or like maybe you have faith one moment and then fear The next, well, God preserved every word in scripture for our benefit, this passage included. And when we're afraid, when our faith and our fear intermingle in our brains, we can copy this dad's prayer. I believe God. I believe you're good and loving and true. I believe you're in this, whatever this might be. But I'm also afraid. Help my unbelief. I'm also learning to ask for assurances, and I do this a lot regarding my daughter. She's my heart, so I tend to worry about her a lot. I know I shouldn't. I've seen God's hand on her so many times in so many amazing ways, but still, I worry. And when I do, 
I ask God to assure me that he's got her, that he's going before her. And you know what? He does. But when he does, I have a responsibility to hold tight to what he's shown me. I need to take it as the assurance that it is. And I need to remember that assurance the next time I grow anxious. I need to use it as a building block to faith. Journaling can be so helpful in numerous ways. When we journal our prayers and God's answers, we leave a record of his faithfulness that we can reflect on later. And and when new challenges or uncertainties hit, we can go back and see how he answered us in the past. But our journaling can also show negative patterns of thinking. And I feel this is so important. One afternoon, some time ago, I found an old journal I'd written years prior and I opened it up and I was shocked and frankly disappointed that I was still struggling with the same negative thought patterns, the same self-defeating thought patterns and doubts that I was at the time I read the journal. And this got my attention and it motivated me to do something about this, to get proactive in those areas, to get more serious, to hold tight to God's promises and the assurances that he gives. He's speaking to us all the time. We simply need to do a better job of listening and not be so quick to discount his words. Do you ever do that? Do you ever hear something in a sermon that pierces you so deeply? You know it came from God. But then a month later, when the answer to that assurance still hasn't come, all of a sudden you have numerous reasons why that initial word wasn't from God, that maybe that phrase or that statement or that verse was merely coincidental, that you made it more in your mind than it was really meant to be. But when God speaks, we need to listen and not doubt. Otherwise, we become what the book of James terms a double minded Christian, one who is unstable in all we do, when we should be securely anchored in Christ. So again, when life feels uncertain, we remind ourselves of all that is certain. We saturate our minds and our hearts with truth. We ask God to increase our faith, to give us insurances, and we hold tight to every word that he gives us. And we need to, this is so important, we need to spend less time fretting and more time praying. Less time fretting and more time praying. I've heard it said, if you have the mental space to worry about something, you have the time to pray about it. Worrying might seem easier in the moment. It can become our default response, but it doesn't have to stay in that position. It doesn't have to stay our default. We can begin to teach ourselves to respond to threats, not reactively, but proactively through prayer. A while back, things were pretty intense and they felt really chaotic where I live. Businesses that had only recently reopened after the C-19 shutdowns were suddenly closing by noon. Business owners and store managers were boarding up their windows just in case. And, And I was scared. I was scared for myself, I was scared for my daughter and for her husband, and everything felt, my world felt out of control. And so I responded by spending way too much time on Facebook, likely the most distorted version of the news available. But after I popped on for the third or fourth time, God spoke to my spirit. What if every time you're tempted to check your Facebook feed, you prayed? And this struck me on two levels. First, there was nothing I could do apart from Christ to change 
what was going on. Scrolling through social media wouldn't change anything. And in fact, every post I saw only increased my sense of powerlessness and perceived chaos, but my prayers could affect incredible change. I could pray for the situation. I could pray for my loved ones, for those who were hurting, for my city, for our nation. While this might've felt like a little thing, like a passive act, scripture says the opposite. Scripture tells us prayer has the power to change things in ways our weak yet best-intentioned actions never can. When we pray, we live as if this is indeed true. We live as if we truly believe God will hear us and respond. We live as if we truly believe he has the power to change lives and the hearts to do so. When we strive for control or allow ourselves to get caught up in the chaos, We demonstrate that we don't truly believe those things. We demonstrate that we believe we're stronger or wiser than God or that thing or that person or whatever we blame for the chaos holds the power. If we turn to ourselves before prayer, guess what God we've come to rely on? The God of self. And that God is far too insufficient, far too weak and deceived to ever carry a life, let alone the world that appears to be spinning out of control all around us. When that God rises up, we absolutely must dethrone her. So again, our fears reveal cracks in our faith, doubts that God longs to mortar with truth. If we turn to God in the middle of our fear, if we hold tight to the truth and the assurances that he gives us, then we can come out the other side stronger and closer to Christ than before the chaos or uncertainty hit. That means we won't be so easily sideswiped the next time a crisis comes. I love Psalm 16, and I would encourage you to read it. In fact, I would encourage you to read that Psalm, Psalm 16, every day for a week. And it says in verses one and two, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. That's where we must take refuge as well. In God, not our jobs, not our homes or our bank account or our relationships, but in God and God alone. Because apart from him, there is no good thing. No hope, no blessings, no protection or provision. If our life feels uncertain, that's an indication our feet probably aren't firmly planted on the God who always is certain. The psalmist goes on in verse seven, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Isn't that what you want? That's what I want. I often pray that God would so move my heart, so fill it with him that I naturally do what he desires. Oh, the peace of not having to worry if I somehow made a wrong decision or or might in the future, just being so in tune to his will, to his voice and his leading that I naturally respond to his slightest nudge. And we reach that place through surrender, through continual surrender. Romans 12, one to two says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Or the New Living Translation says, then we will be able to know his will. So first, camp out on God's mercy. If you're having trouble surrendering your life and your circumstances to Christ, 
pause to reflect deeply on the cross. If that doesn't move you, if that doesn't move me to surrender, I don't know what will. Then in view of that, in view of the life that he gave so that we might live, give your life back to him as a living sacrifice. Willingly surrender your time, your agenda, your plans, your dreams, all those things you hold so tightly. And that can be the primary cause of our anxiety, by the way, the act of clinging so tightly to something, whatever it is. In my early years as a writer, that was certainly true for me. I knew my career was only as good, only as secure as my next contract. And while literature is subjective, all art is, and when our economy takes a hit, the publishing industry usually does as well. So knowing this, I allowed the uncertainty to steal my peace, and I began clinging to my career, working hard to ensure my readers and my editors liked my work, but I made myself miserable. I almost completely killed my love for writing. And then one day a question hit me. Is it worth all this? Is this writing career worth all my stress and anxiety? Is it worth forfeiting my joy and my peace? I decided it wasn't, so I let it go. I released my expectations and I determined to live in the present. I realized if God wanted me to continue writing, I would. If he didn't, I wouldn't. No matter how hard I worked or how much I stressed over every word. In short, I determined, I decided, because this wasn't my natural bent, I had to choose. I decided to rest in God's sovereignty and his love. I realized if he did redirect me for whatever reason, the redirection would be good because he is good. Therefore, I didn't need to know what was ahead because I knew him. And really, the fact that I was clinging so hard to my career, it showed that I had made it an idol and God will never bless idolatry. So pause to consider your struggle, your anxiety, with all that currently feels so uncertain. Could your anxiety be in part because you're holding something too tightly? Have you made that thing your God, the thing by which you're certain you'll find fulfillment and significance, joy? Do you fear if you lost that thing, you'd lose yourself? If so, you don't really know God that well. So I would suggest getting to know him a little better. Through surrender, we come alive. We truly live as we were created. That's how we experience the filled, overflowing life Jesus promised and died to give us. He wants us to experience joy. Scripture says that's one of God's gifts to us. And as our creator, he knows precisely what will bring us the joy and the peace that Christ died to give us. We can trust him. He's proven himself so very trustworthy so many times and in so many ways, but through the cross especially. When I was struggling to surrender, I had to pause and remind myself of who God is at his core. Because remember, we hold tight to what's certain. And that's God, who he is, and all he's promised to do. Armed with those truths, I let all the strife, all the stress go, and I learned to simply take it one day, one story, one paragraph at a time, and there's joy in that. I shifted my focus off of myself and off of my little story, and I placed it where it needed to be on my Savior and the amazing epic he's writing through the lives of all his children across the globe. The story he's crafting 
the one he plotted before you and I took our first breath. And it's so much better than anything we could ever come up with on our own. And I already know how all this ends. If you haven't read the last chapter, can I just say, spoiler alert, it's going to be amazing. That's a certainty we can hold tight to. So I have two chronic illnesses, colitis and fibromyalgia. And while my colitis is well-managed now for the most part, when I first became sick, it wasn't. And I was dropping weight and therefore energy fast. And I had no idea what was making me sick. My body felt like the enemy along with whatever happened to enter my mouth. And I just have to add, if you have chronic illness, I do have a podcast on thriving with chronic illness. You can find it on lifeaudio.com. So make sure to check it out because in it, I just speak what I hope will be joy and peace into your day. But during this time, my body felt like the enemy, along with whatever happened to enter my mouth. My world felt uncertain and chaotic. And the more uncertain and chaotic it felt, the more I fought for control. And during that time, my anxiety and OCD became all consuming. Oh, did my thoughts get spinning like a massive tornado attempting to uproot every nugget of truth planted within. But during my most anxious moments, I found relief, sweet peace, when I stopped to praise. I'd turn on my radio app on my phone, I'd crank it loud, and I'd sing along. No matter how I felt, I would sing along. And sometimes I might dance. (laughs) And as I did, God's spirit gained influence within me. Scripture says God inhabits the praise of his people. And in those moments when I sang out his praises, that was precisely how it felt. Like he was in my midst, reigning within me and over me. I hope today's episode encouraged you. I hope it gave you some action steps to take the next time life feels uncertain. To recap, when life feels uncertain, we have to hold tight to those things that are certain. God, his power, his presence, his love for us. We need to pause to pray. We need to hold our fears up against what we know to be true. Yes, life feels hard and chaotic, but God remains immovable. We need to hold tight to the assurances that he gives us. And we need to teach our hearts to praise because our Savior inhabits the praises of his people. And through praise, he will still our fears and increase our faith as he steadily draws us closer to him. I would love it if you would rate this episode, if you would share it with others that will help people to find it. And make sure to subscribe so that you will receive every episode because together we can move towards incredible, life-changing, bold living. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? 
I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.